Hi, I'm Jamie Brazil, and you're listening to the Happy Market Research Podcast. This is a special episode that's connected to the Insights Association's next conference in Chicago. That is this June 13th and 14th. My guest today is Dylan Zwick. Dylan, did I say your last name right? That was correct. Yeah, Dylan Zwick. I'm always dead last in the alphabetical order. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I was always first in photos because I am 5'8". So we have that sort of juxtaposition. Uh, Dylan is the co-founder and chief product officer of Pulse Labs. Pulse Labs is a solution that enables users to launch and gather consumer opinions via voice devices such as Alexa and Google Home. Dylan, thanks for being on the Happy Market Research Podcast today. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. You are speaking at this year's next event on voice. When did you first realize that voice was important? So I first realized that voice was going to be big um, back in 2016 when I bought my first uh, Echo. So I started playing around with Alexa and um, realized that what had been the dream of science fiction now for decades, you know, the ability to speak and actually have a conversation with a computer was actually becoming science fact, you know, was, was becoming reality. And so I played around with building my own um, Alexa applications and uh, started exploring the tools that were out there for developers and designers for um, Alexa applications and for voice applications more generally and realized that this was going to be a huge space and also that I really wanted to be a part of it. So that's kind of what got me uh, initially involved. Yeah, I mean, Alexa in and of itself is, is really interesting. You know, one of the things that I, I, I think is, if you, if you pull back YouTube right now, I forget what the data is, something like 60% of the internet is, mm -hmm. is there. It's a massive mm -hmm. amount. And if, and if you look at the bet that Google placed when they did that acquisition, mm -hmm. it was, you know, they, they consolidated the different product lines into a single thing. And then they centralized the KPI to one centralized point mm -hmm. of focus, which was number of daily videos mm -hmm. uploaded. And that created so much focus from an R&D perspective that that's all anybody cared about. It wasn't predicated on revenue or eyeballs or anything like that. That was, that was it. And then subsequently, of course, that was the tail mm -hmm. that wagged the, the dog. Amazon is actually doing the exact same thing with respect to Alexa. I mean, it has, my kids, my 12 year old can create an Alexa skill. It is crazy mm -hmm. easy how they have made the development side of this accessible. Yeah, that's been a huge focus for Amazon um, and the Alexa team is to make the um, to open up as many tools for developing essentially applications or as they call them skills on Alexa and then um, trying to provide these and encourage as many independent developers uh, to build skills there as they can. So you have a ton of skills actually that have just been built by um, independent developers and then also a bunch of uh, skills that have been built by brands or professional agencies and there are even companies out there that are focused you know exclusively on the building of Alexa skills and then yeah you've mentioned you know they are also very interested in providing tools that makes this as easy as possible so they even have a blueprint tool that essentially lets you quickly create a standard but personalized skill uh, without the need to you know, have any programming background at all. 
and you know I've focused on on Alexa and what I just said, but Google is also pursuing a, a similar strategy in that you can also build uh, applications on Google's assistant. They're called Actions, and you know they are really trying to build out and uh, expand and encourage that ecosystem as well. So all the major voice players, and you know to be honest, Bixby and Cortana are also very interested in that. So all the major voice players are really trying to to provide a platform for as many content creators to participate on as they can. So the, the Bixby thing was interesting, right? They launched, I think I think it was last year, it was Samsung's mm-hmm. uh, voice device and Cortana, which is interesting to me that Cortana and Siri haven't had a more dominant role in, in voice so far, especially considering the head start that Siri had. Do, do, you, do you think that developers are gonna need, to, need or I should say brands, are going to need to deploy across all of the major players? Or is it, let me, let me even roll it back a little bit further. I don't, I don't know how old you are, but you know, I, I was in the Silicon Valley during the whole kind of mm-hmm. rise of the dot-com. And there were probably 12 um, uh, search engines oh, yeah, that were important, like InfoSync, mm-hmm. Go.com. You, right, so okay. you, know, you, had, you had like this... Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you had to really pay attention if you wanted to get you know, mm-hmm. visibility on the web in terms of where, what the users are. Do you think ultimately it's one ring to rule them all? So right now, uh, it's certainly a duopoly. So right now, um, most of the market share there is being uh, taken by Amazon and Google. And so if you are a brand and you are building an application for voice, um, most of the time you're going to want to, uh, brands are interested in actually just building on both of the platforms. And it tends to be pretty... um, pretty easy to uh, to port applications built on one from the other. I mean, it's, it's not trivial, but you know, once you've built, for example, a Google Action or an Alexa skill, um, translating that over to the other platform, as I said, while it's not trivial, is a whole bunch easier than uh, building a new one from scratch. So because of the market share that both of the kind of the major smart speaker players have, um, most brands, when they build a voice application, are interested in kind of building uh, on both. And it's becoming easier to kind of port that. So it's becoming less expensive to do both kind of at the same time. So most are interested in doing that. In terms of the other voice assistants, you know, Cortana, Siri, and Bixby, they're all making um, interesting plays, but they are mostly not competing directly with uh, with Amazon and Google on the smart speaker market. So Cortana is actually positioning themselves as much more of an enterprise voice offering. So the idea would be that, you know, Cortana would be kind of your voice assistant in the office and sort of the business uh, aspect of, of voice assistant. And then like Bixby is, is has an offering that's very tied to your phone and to your Samsung products. So it's a, so it's really tied to what you're what people are doing on their smartphones. But yeah, I, w- I would say that we'll see how the future shakes out in terms of you know who's going to who's going to be uh, dominant. I don't think it will be one single player, um, but I also don't think it will be like five or six. It sounds like your framework is really centered around use cases and, and the context of the. Um 
of the interaction, right? So, you know, I have my Samsung TV, of course, and similarly, I've got my Alexa sitting there, but it actually is funny. So like Bixby on my Samsung TV that I set that up, but I still use Alexa on my mm -hmm. Samsung TV uh, from an interaction perspective, which oh, yeah. is kind of, kind of funny. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Alexa, stop. <laughs> I've, I've, so yeah, I've, I've had that happen many times. So yeah, I mean, so that's, that's really what you're getting at is kind of the fundamental goal. The, the reason that these major huge tech companies are so interested and invested in voice platform is not because they really want to dominate, you know, the smart speaker market. It's not because, you know, that the clock radio market was so important to them and they're just going to go in there and crush that. Um, what they really want to do is they view voice assistants as being the operating system of the Internet of Things. So you're not just going to be talking to your smart speaker or even just to your phone, but also to your car, to your television, as you um, as you brought up, to your refrigerator. I mean, you're going to be talking to all of these different electronic appliances and it's going to be ubiquitous and the primary means or at least one of the primary means of interaction will be via voice and so that is essentially the big dream there whether it's going to be a you know something that's dominated by one particular company or whether there's going to be maybe just some kind of underlying framework that isn't owned by anybody, but that everybody kind of builds on and that maybe you'll be able to access, you know, Alexa or Google Assistant or whatever voice assistants you want, kind of from any of these touch points, will be interesting to watch as it develops. Yeah, I mean, what I'm finding so fascinating is the, the way that we interact with voice, I mean, it, it, Alexa, for example, has skills, and I—I uh, I forgot what you said. Google Home's reference was, but um, actions, actions yeah, right? Happy. So, mm -hmm. so it's very—it's a very much of a human interaction that is is the part of the UX experience. And so, I could see a scenario where you could successfully address Cortana in, to your point, in a business context, and then similarly, you know, I could use Bixby for maybe my refrigerator or my my you know, my appliances mm -hmm. or what have you. And then maybe at a personal level, I just want to go ahead and interact with the lady whose name I won't say. So, <laughs> you know, it is right. It is, it is, that is really interesting. And I loved how you started out talking about science fact, because, you know, being a geek and star Wars nerd <laughs> and star Trek fan, right. Mm -hmm. Those, those sort of the way that, that both of those environments has been, um, you know, they projected the future, you know, really turns out Star Trek looks like they were, they were right with this voice AI always being part of you. Yeah. And that's actually, you know, sort of as a, as a side note there, um, Jeff Bezos is famously a, a Trekkie. So Jeff Bezos is actually famously a big Star Trek fan and the Star Trek or enterprise computer was actually part of the inspiration for Alexa. So it may not be you know, entirely coincidental that they seem to be similar. From what I understand, the Star Trek computer is actually part of the inspiration behind Alexa. Oh, that's so interesting. All right, so you've worked with several firms, many firms, mm -hmm. including today's top firms on voice application. What's been 
What's been the most exciting aspect of that? And then also, what do you see as one of the larger challenges um, in this early stage? Yeah, absolutely. So the most exciting thing about it is that voice has the has the potential to be essentially the lowest friction form of interaction between uh, a person and a computer, and also the most essentially natural and intuitive one. You know, speech and conversation is you know something that we learn and understand almost innately, you know, I mean, there are parts of the human brain that are just specifically wired to communicate this way. And so, you know, a, a voice interface is something that if done right, is going to be the most intuitive and easiest type of interface that anybody's going to be able to use. And you're actually seeing that with, uh, I remember, Six or seven years ago, a friend of mine, their their you know young child walked up to a, a television and started touching it, and the television didn't respond, and the child thought that the television was broken <laughs> because uh, he'd become so used to touch interfaces. And even before touch, we're seeing kids are talking to their smart speakers, and so it's going to be expected that any sort of technology that you interact with, you're going to be able to talk with. And if you can't, it's going to seem broken. But the big promise there is that, as I said, it's a super low friction way of interacting with technology. And it also is a form of interaction that can take place uh, when you are otherwise occupied. And so a couple examples. You know, if you are, you know, the big one that's been uh, so successful right now are things like, you know, requesting music to be played, just saying, you know, a word play, you know, Despacito or asking for the weather or any of those uh, kind of quick functions that you want to do every day and that can be made really easy and low friction. But what I think you're going to see is, you know, most of the audio consumption is increasing rapidly. You know, people are listening to, to music and podcasts and radio broadcasts or radio shows more and more on uh, digital devices. And so the ability to kind of interact with um, what you're listening to via voice is extremely promising because usually when you're, when you're listening, you are doing something else. So if you are a marketer, and let's say that you have the you know and you're a, you have a an audio advertisement that's playing on you know uh, Spotify or a podcast or something like that. The ability to just say, if you want to know more about this, say, Alexa, tell me more, and to have that instantly send you an email that will tell you more about you know what was being advertised, and then take you right back to the to what you were listening to. I think has enormous potential and power. Uh, Another scenario, another context is driving. So if you are, you know, driving is kind of an inherently hands-free situation. Your hands, well, your hands should be occupied. So uh, so not hands-free. So your hands should be occupied. And so it's an inherently kind of audio-only scenario in which being able to, for example, order food on your way home for pickup from a drive-thru uh, via voice in your car, I think has enormous potential to kind of transform a lot of those flows. 
What challenges there are today? I would say the biggest challenges are discoverability. It can be hard to really know what is currently there and available and to remember kind of what skills you want to invoke to do what. So that's been you know, kind of an issue. And then there are other scenarios, there are other interactions that I think can be the best way to input information, but audio is necessarily the best way to get information back. So if I ask for like a list of, you know, the 10 most popular movies from last year, say that via voice is probably the easiest way to request that information. But then having something come back and say, the most popular movie was X, the second most popular movie was Y, et cetera, et cetera, might not be the best way to get that information back. So something like a list might make more sense as a visual response. And I think that the combination of voice and, and audio with visual, so kind of opening voice up as one medium through which you can communicate, I think will op- you know, is opening up a lot of new possibilities. I think multimodal is going to be a major, a major part of the voice applications and the ways that we use voice over the next few years. Yeah, for sure. And I think from a researcher's point of view, thinking about like the opportunity for ethnography to be done, Mm -hmm. uh, even though, you know, you can't necessarily, you don't have the video component tethered to it, but the always on uh, feedback option is really, really powerful. If you're thinking about, you know, CPG type or products, whether they're software or service or whatever that were interact or hard, you know, real things, then, um, you know, you can always provide feedback as long as you have that particular device uh, handy. Exactly. And so, and you could do that, and you could do that to your point before. You can do that while multitasking. So, like you have the new Alexa Auto, that is a really interesting. I think they're doing a limited release right now, mm-hmm. um, right? And so it's the it's the in car version of the Dot or whatever Echo. Mm-hmm. So um, you know that that all of a sudden gives you. You know, the closer that you can provide feedback to the actual experience, mm-hmm. the better the the better the data, the less the time degradation of the insight. Exactly. And 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 right, and that's and that's so if you know, if you're thinking about like in the shower and, and head and shoulders wants to do a new product test and I've got my device inside of the bathroom, I can actually provide feedback on that experience while I'm in the shower, whereas that before that was just always impossible. You could never garnish that kind of information. Exactly. And so something like, you know, the ability to quickly provide like a net promoter score or rating and then some, you know, quick feedback or data about a particular experience can be done very low friction via voice. So you could just have something like, you know, on your head and shoulders, you know, a bottle or something like that that said, you know, to provide feedback or rating or something like that, just say this particular thing to Alexa and then answer two questions, which is something that I think people will be much more likely to do than say, go on a website and fill that out. Or if you have that on a receipt, the ability to say just at the bottom of the receipt, you know, say, you know, you can use Alexa to provide this feedback and then we can, you know, maybe even send you an email coupon or something like that. And then you you mentioned CPG. Another big exciting possibility here is that, you know, with CPG, most of the time people purchase, it's uh, replenishment and reordering. And so 
Traditionally, packaging has been mostly geared towards standing out and convincing uh, the consumer to make a particular purchase kind of while that purchase is available on the shelf and competing with other similar products. However, with the with the huge shift that we're seeing into purchasing online, you know, I think packaging might even be somewhat rethought as a way of convincing consumers not necessarily to make a purchase, but to reorder. And the ability to say, like, for example, let's say that you've got a roll of paper towels. And when you're done with the paper towel roll on the actual cardboard roll itself, it says, like, to reorder this, just say Alexa XYZ. And it could be just a quick, you know, two turn interaction or something like that. And you'd and you'd have a replenishment of what you just finished on its way. I think that has enormous, you know, potential for tons of consumer packaged goods. Oh my gosh, totally. And that's actually so I have never heard that example before. Thank you for sharing it. That literally blew my mind. This is gonna be the headline quote, by the way, of the episode. Because one of my big challenges in moving to a voice consumer journey is that it's an mm -hmm. invisible journey. So the opportunity for a brand like Scott to intercept the point of purchase is quite literally mm -hmm. zero, right? I mean, it's all about my brand affinity, which I mean, at the end of the day, paper towels are paper towels for me, um, maybe not for other people, but you know, I don't particularly care as long as it mm -hmm. does what I want it to do. And so you can't, if it, if you can get that brand into with the, you know, the, the speaker, you know, paper towel, the ring thing, whatever. Um, now all of a sudden you do have an opportunity to create that connection with the consumer. Exactly. Uh, even, even though, even you could, and this is what's interesting is you could actually spawn the transaction because it's a voice-based trigger. Mm -hmm. And you can just say right there at the moment where they're thinking, okay, I need to reorder. You can just be instantly there. And it's the uh, the simplest transaction, you know, it could be, it's basically just this thing that I have, you know, that I'm, that I'm out of, I want to reorder a placement of exactly this thing to do that, say exactly this and it will happen. Yeah. I think we should scrap everything we're working on. And that is the direction. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, this, this, this is what I've, you know, this is what I thought, you know, the end of 2016, you know, I was like, all right, I got to scrap what I'm working on and pursue voice because, yeah, I got exactly. It's things like this that, you know, got me and continue to get me super excited about it. All right. So Pulse Labs, which for our listeners, PulseLabs.ai is the website. And uh, if you're going to go visit there, there's really two paths. One is on the consumer side. So uh, by that, or excuse me, the customer side, that's somebody that may want to uh, leverage the platform to gather consumer opinions mm -hmm. through voice. And the other is to actually sign up as a panelist to provide feedback. Yep. So uh, I, wanna, I wanna talk a little bit about your platform. What type of insights are being captured in your voice surveys? So right now, primarily, we have been focused actually on testing and usability testing, mostly for designers and developers, skills and applications. So if you are building a Alexa skill or a Google action, and you want to get a gauge on 
how usable it is, whether people are understanding it, whether you know one particular approach makes more sense than another, you can use our platform to quickly and easily test uh, with real-world users. And we are able to do all of our all of our testing directly on devices. So you can test, you know, any Alexa-enabled device can be used to do the test, or any Google Assistant-enabled device. And uh, we provide a level of data on those interactions that is actually unavailable anywhere else in the market today. So it is designed essentially, if you're building something on voice to get real user feedback and really deep detailed feedback on exactly how people are using your application, Pulse Labs provides a platform and a panel for providing and gathering that feedback. So I have not come across a business exactly mm -hmm. like yours in our space. Uh, did you start out in, you know, was that, did you do any pivots? Did you, was your start different than where you are right now? We have not done any, so small pivots, absolutely. Um, you know, changes in, you know, approaches or changes in focus, I would say absolutely. Major pivots in what our product offering is and what our vision is, no. So our vision from the very beginning has been to, have, provide user research to you know real world real people user research to anybody you know brands developers designers agencies anybody who is wants a presence on voice and wants to understand how real people are using voice and how real people are interacting with voice and how they can effectively you know build their presence there 2023 80 billion dollars is the projected number that'll be uh, spent on voice devices and a voice consumer journey context. What do you think research will look like at that point in time as you know we see such a such a migration of the consumer spend move to that environment? I think that research is going to be based around how do you make this as easy as possible? How do to for the users? convenient as possible, so easy to kind of access whenever and wherever they need it. But also, if you are a brand, how do you remain top of mind here? So essentially, how do you be the and how do you set yourself up so that if a customer just says wants to order paper towels or something like that, it's your paper towels that they're ordering. And that's a uh, you know, that is part of the big play for the voice platforms is that they want to be, you know, they want to have some kind of control and say over over who gets that, you know, top position. You know, with Google AdWords, it's always a fight to be on the first page. With voice, it's going to be a fight to be the top, you know, the number one, the one that is recommended and the one that is provided. And so there's going to be a lot of research, a lot of understanding devoted to how to make yourself number one and then how much number one is worth. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, and especially in the context of how many generic brands are now owned by Amazon and Google. Mm -hmm. the, yeah. Right. It just speaks to the overall importance of ensuring that you are the Kleenex of your brand category. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So the next conference is coming up. You're going to be talking about voice. What is one practical takeaway? I know I'm, I'm kind of like t you're tilting your cards here, but what is one practical takeaway that our listeners can gleam from your upcoming talk? So the, the practical takeaway will, would be 
If you are a marketer or a brand and you want to build something on voice, then what you want to do, what you want to focus on are one or two very key use cases that voice can do better than what is currently available right now that are valuable to you and then execute on those. Too often we tend to see either brands think or, okay, we're going to experiment with this. Let's just do some, you know, let's put together some application and it might be either frequently asked questions application, or maybe they'll just say, let's take the API that we have, you know, that uh, feeds all of our product line for our website and just connect it to Alexa. Usually those approaches don't work so well. So the important thing is think of things like what we just talked about with the uh, kind of the ability to reorder paper towels right at the point in which you're done using your current batch uh, and make that seamless and easy. Those are the sort of approaches that are most successful and that will see the the best ROI. Yeah, that's that's great. I, I, I think the application of Kmart in Australia, uh, I heard this through the VoiceBot podcast. I'm sure you listened mm-hmm. to that. Um, and they were talking about, and I'm going to try to distill the information, but they're talking about how they actually had a tremendous success, not through, uh, I guess there's some legislation around um, not being able to procure devi- uh, a product through voice yet. But mm-hmm. um, one of the ways that Kmart became dominant in a voice framework is they provided proximity and um, the, to the actual product. So the consumer wants to buy something, they would say, is it in, is it in stock or where is it near me? Mm-hmm. And then that was how they would get directed specifically to the store. So it was an interesting, it was an interesting story to, for me in that it starts talking about how the brand is empowering the consumer and getting close to them, adding the value. Another one is, I think it's, I think it's Chrysler has a automatic start feature in their, it's actually one of the top 100 Alexa skills. Um, in their, in their automobile, one of the automobiles and the, um, so, you know, you can, it can be cold outside and you can just tell your voice device, Hey, start my car and it will start, it'll warm up the car for you, you know, before you, before you get in. I think, you know, the more that brands start adopting this technology, then, you know, the, the better they're going to be positioned when this stuff actually scales. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I can't wait to hear your talk. My guest today has been Dylan Zwick, co-founder and chief product officer of Pulse Labs. Thanks so much for being on the Happy Market Research podcast, Dylan. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks a lot. For all of you who are listening, if you are not signed up for the Insights Association's next conference, I would highly recommend you do that. Again, that is June 13th and 14th in Chicago. You can also find out information on our website, happymr.com slash next2019. I'll be including links to Dylan's information and his company's information in the show notes. I really hope to see you at the next conference. Have a wonderful rest of your day.